Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host Christian Ubius. And Christian, today I have a request for you to start the show. Maybe. I'm, I'm very good at saying no to you, Scott. This is true, but Christian, my question for you is, tell me something I don't know about In the Heights, the newest release that we will be discussing here on the Cinema Drip Podcast. How do we do? This was really painful for me to oh, listen to. And it's going to be painful for all the listeners, too, but I fit it in. I've been sitting on that all day, and now I've gotten to release it upon you and the listeners' ears alike. But that's right, folks. It's time for In the Heights. We are culminating Hispanic Musical Month with one of the newest, biggest movies out thus far in 2021. Christian, I gotta know, I gotta ask, how how are you feeling about In the Heights? Were, were you, based on your rant at the end of last week's episode, I think I know, but were you looking forward to this movie? How long were you looking forward to this movie? If so, what, what were your general emotions before this experience? I found out, I think, in 2019, while I was still at Northwestern, that they were doing a film adaptation. And now, I had listened to In the Heights before I'd listened to Hamilton, and I loved that musical. I loved the score so, so much. And I am kind of a fan of Lin-Manuel Miranda, not necessarily for the reason that other people are a fan of him. I love that he has the... He, he has kind of like the, the attitude of, I'm going to write parts for myself in stuff. <laughs> Which is typically a reason that people don't like Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> but this isn't the only reason why, but his idea was, I don't, oh, he, he I, um, at some point, I'm pretty sure he said, I wasn't someone who just got cast. But if I wrote myself a part, they had to cast me. And for actors, and especially for someone of Lin-Manuel Miranda's um, heritage, and even myself, when I've written plays, I have written myself into my plays quite a number of times and performed one of the parts that I wrote for me to perform. And I admired that, that he did that. So to to see someone else take on the mantle of Uznavi, I was excited for it, especially post the Hamilton 2020 coming out. I am with you in that I'm typically a fan of Lin-Manuel Miranda, although I've become more privy to some of the criticisms that he's received over the years, so I'm sure we'll get into that later. But I can't quite remember the first time I listened to the In the Heights soundtrack because I'm pretty sure I did listen to it before Hamilton. But I just can't quite remember if my appreciation of Miranda happened when I became a Hamilton fan in college or before by listening to In the Heights first and then getting excited after hearing about the buzz Hamilton was receiving. But he's obviously become quite the pop culture figure here in our our great uh, US of A, not only making two smash stage productions of In Heights and Hamilton, but also becoming just in general a huge Hollywood figure. He's been on TV shows. He has written music for Disney movies. His songs for Moana were were much, much loved. And he's been all over the place for the past few years. Kind of one of those guys who is now always, always busy with something. 
And so I'm, I'm curious to talk a little bit more about Lin-Manuel Miranda, because the only time that he's come up on this show before was when I controversially put Hamilton's <laughs> stage <laughs> recording onto my top 10 list of last year. I was okay with it. I think that I'm, mine is the only approval you need. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course, Christian. Your approval is the only thing I seek in this life. Our listeners know that's not true. But In the Heights, for those who are living under a rock or <laughs> are just really, really staving off any and all information about it, uh, is an adaptation, as we shared, of Miranda's 2008 Broadway smash hit. It is bringing some collab. He brings some collaborators from the stage production, bringing the book writer of the musical and now the screenwriter of the movie. Chiara Alegria Udes. There you go. I would have butchered the pronunciation, so I appreciate you, Christian. And some of the cast members also make cameos throughout the movie. But this is, by and large, a completely new spin on the material, featuring some Miranda. Uh, Miranda-ites, I guess, like Anthony Ramos taking over the lead role of Usnavi, but a lot of new faces and some familiar faces filling out to the ranks of the cast. And speaking of Crazy Rich Asians, which you mentioned to me before the podcast, <laughs> you we have the same director from that film, John M. Chu, stepping into the director's chair. Y- okay, yes. Uh, Olga Meredis also reprises her role as Abuela Claudia from the original one. I'm giving the Spanish pronunciations. If you've listened to this podcast enough, you know that I can say it in English or in Spanish, so I might interchange between them. But it it's a different take. It was not just a, we had this Broadway <laughs> musical, let's com- just make it into screenplay format. No, they definitely changed aspects of it to reflect modern times. I think a very... <laughs> an, in- an interesting example of that is one of the original lyrics mentions Donald Trump. That lyric has been cut <laughs> for the <laughs> for the film version. Not surprising. I just very much noticed it when it happened and started <laughs> laughing. I I had honestly forgotten because it had been a while since I listened to the song that he's mentioned in, and I didn't notice that now it's Tiger Woods taking the place of Donald Trump in the lyric, but. <laughs> Not the only thing that is updated for 2021, that's for sure. That, that is true. They So, I don't know how much else... What should we do in this segment? Should we talk more about the plot? Or should we talk about kind of more behind-the-scenes actions? Because, it, I mean, it, it was supposed to come out a year ago. It was supposed to come out June something of last year, but got pushed to this year because of COVID. And I think it was one of the first ones outside of um a quiet place part two was probably the first one that said no we're gonna take an entire year because we want to make sure theaters are open when we can do this this is i think the second one following that i guess it's up to me because this is my month (laughs) i know I've, i've been leading the way a little bit even though you're technically in charge let's let's mention a little bit about the plot so, in the Heights, and Scott, feel free to fill in and interrupt if I ever forget anything, <laughs> is is interesting in that it's taking on a, a, it's a story about Washington Heights, this neighborhood in the Bronx, New York. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the Bronx, right? Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, interrupt me, of course, if I'm wrong. And it follows, it, it starts with a... It's in Manhattan. 
It's sure. It's in Manhattan. They mentioned the Bronx a lot, though. Yes, people are moving to the Bronx from Manhattan. Cool. <laughs> We're not from New York. We're from uh, the, the wasteland. <laughs> now, you, you can't even deny that. Uh, and it takes an interesting framing device because Usnavi, the central character, is talking to a bunch of children uh, be- at the very, very start of the movie, a story about Washington Heights. And he says that it's a neighborhood that's been disappearing. And the reason it's disappearing, it's because it's facing gentrification. It's a story about him. It's honestly three major stories. Story of him, uh, who is a bodega owner and longs to go back to um, the Dominican Republic in order to own, was it a bar or a restaurant? Rebuild and restore his his father's old bar. Yes. Uh, It also follows Vanessa, who is trying to get out of Washington Heights in order to make it as a fashion designer. And it also follows Nina, a girl who dropped out of Stanford because she didn't face acceptance there as a Latina woman. And, uh, tra- I mean, honestly, pretty traditional musical, except that when they break out into song and dance, they're breaking out into major hip-hop dance numbers. And it's following them and this the story of this block, and it's juggling like 20 different storylines. Uh, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I would just say... There is a just a rich supporting cast, a lot of named characters and people who all get little moments to shine. So you do get to follow along really this community. And there are people who, like Usnavi, who is the central character. But even so, he still has far less screen time than some leading players in other musicals or obviously movies. So it really is about this community as well as some of the leaders of that community and following along their journeys that kind of function as, you know, the, the themes or the metaphors for the story. Did, did you know who was originally going to direct this movie? Oh, I probably passed over it in my research, but I don't recall who was going to direct. Uh, a hint, he has directed High School Musical. Oh my gosh, that's right, Kenny Ortega. <laughs> Kenny Ortega was oh going, originally going to direct it. But the project was canceled because they were looking for highly bankable Latino stars like Jennifer Lopez or Shakira instead of unknown actors. Uh, can you imagine Shakira in this movie? <laughs> I, I I can, but that's because I'm biased and love Shakira and all that she does. It definitely would have been interesting to have J-Lo if this movie were made when it was supposed to, or not supposed to, but when it were was originally in pre-production over 10 years ago, but... Anyway, that it. That okay. Let's let's jump into fun facts. Let's do it. There are there are some fun facts, even though there's this movie is brand spanking new. So Christian, do you want to lead us off here, or do I get to lead us off here? Uh, I'll lead us off in that the director named his son Heights. Because he was born while filming, and he named it after the film's location. Wait, seriously? John M. Chu's son is named Heights. Okay. I'm going to be quickly scanning his Wikipedia page. Oh, his name is Jonathan Heights Chu. His middle name is from the movie. It's the same thing. (laughs) Not quite the same thing. If you actually had given your child the name Heights, it would have been ballsier. Something... 
that I saw this movie with my wife. It's something that she caught during the movie and that we confirmed after is there is a scene where one of the characters is on hold on the phone and the hold music that's playing is a hold music version of King George's melody from Hamilton. So for all you Hamilton fans out there, either hope you catch it when you get to see it, or maybe you'll think back and remember it, but tune in with your listening ears because you'll catch the melody. The, Oh, I, I actually loved it. I didn't catch it the first time. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda started writing in the Heights when he was a sophomore in college. And when it got to Broadway, over 10 years later, or maybe a little under 10 years later, he was working as a substitute teacher. So it's it, it took a while to get in the heights up. Shout out to substitute teachers everywhere. Keep keep following your dreams. You might just end up one of the biggest pop culture sensations of the 2010s. <laughs> I mentioned that there were quite a few cameos in this movie. So Lin-Manuel Miranda, of course, appears as Piraguero, the Piragua man who is passing out treats to the people of Washington Heights, but he does have naturally a rivalry with the Mr. Softy ice cream truck driver, who in the movie adaptation is played by Christopher Jackson, who was Benny in the original Broadway production and also has been a longtime collaborator. He was in Hamilton as George Washington, so you'll recognize him for sure. Some people you might not recognize are Lynn Manuel Miranda's parents, who appear during one of the songs, during Breathe, I believe, as Nina is walking through Washington Heights. They have a small cameo and are singing along, as well as a few of the original cast members from uh, the production. So I believe his name is Seth Stewart. He was the original Graffiti Pete, and he shows up as the bartender at the club during the, the club number. And there are a few others, in, you know, who make it but just in the interest of time <laughs> to list out every cameo uh and my final thing is that john and chu drew inspiration from two movies when making this film those were do the right thing which we have reviewed on this podcast and annie hall what <laughs> what what is <laughs> what is what is strange what a strange touch point for <laughs> trying to make in the heights uh, Annie Hall, definitely a New York story, but very just, just so different. So different from no, no, in the Okay, it kinda it kinda makes sense though. Do the right thing is all about hot day New York and where that gets to a boiling point politically and emotionally. Yes. That one I get. Annie Hall is one that I don't. <laughs> well, I, I guess Annie Hall is more trying to like elevate the romantic nature yes. between yes. Yeah, Usnavi and Vanessa, Nina and Benny. Uh, the last thing that I'll say, this is the dumbest fun fact I've probably ever shared on this show, but there's a nice uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine connection here <laughs> in In the Heights. Uh, Stephanie Beatrice, who all you Brooklyn Nine-Nine fans will recognize immediately. She's Officer Rosa Diaz on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She appears as Carla in In the Heights. And, of course, her family, which we see on the show, featured Lynn manuel Miranda as her brother and Jimmy Smits as her father. And he is in In the Heights as Kevin Rosario. So, for those of you who are Brooklyn Nine-Nine fans, you'll see some familiar faces. Also, In the Heights came out June 10th. Well, officially June 4th, which is one month before Independence Day. There you go. (laughs) And with that, (laughs) proceeding on. (laughs) 
All right, Scott, you ready for your opening question? I sure am, Christian. I sure am. Now, when looking at this month's blend of Hispanic musicals month, we are touching on In the Heights, which does something that the other two musicals have not done. It does not paint a broad stroke over Hispanic culture, nor say that all Hispanic culture is the same. While West Side Story is not saying all Hispanic culture is the same, nor is Zoot Suit, they very much are focusing in on one specific culture and identity, whereas In the Heights is taking in many. All of these were on Broadway and moved to the big screen. How did that transition of multiple cultures to the big screen work or not work for you? That is a very interesting opening question. And I have a couple things in mind, one for things that work, one for things that don't. And in terms of adapting a Broadway production to the big screen, I think in many ways In the Heights is a smashing success. In terms of creating a movie out of the musical and taking what once was on the stage and bringing it to life in, in moving environments, I guess not moving environments, but with a, with a camera to, to follow people through the real-life Washington Heights neighborhood. It is so fun to watch and alive, and there are great performances, and the songs are so fun. And the, some of the numbers, especially once everybody and the whole cast gets involved, are just massive and blow you <laughs> away sitting in the audience, whether you're watching it at home or watching it in the theater. It's just a really great adaptation that I'm looking forward to unpacking with you. I think what doesn't work, and this is a, a heavier topic, one that might be hard uh, to discuss in full on, on this show, but is some of the controversy that's surrounding In the Heights right now. And in terms of things that don't work in bringing these multiple cultures to be represented on screen, there have been some accusations of colorism against... John M. Chu and Lin-Manuel Miranda and the producer of this movie being that they passed over darker skinned actors for some of the lead roles and focused primarily on lighter skinned actors. And many of the actors in the main cast are lighter skinned, even if they are, of course, Latinx. And I know I'm not the perfect person to talk about this as, <laughs> as a white person, but it's something that I have been thinking about because it affected my experience as I started to hear about this going in and, and coming out. And so I have some complicated feelings about In the Heights now that I'm learning a little bit more about the criticism against it. So I'm curious as to your thoughts on those two areas. That Number one, in terms of just, just as a movie, I think it's really good. And I'm, I had a really good time watching it. In terms of the representation and what's being talked about in the, I guess, political, if you will, take for In the Heights or the cultural side of In the Heights, it seems like a one step forward, two steps, two steps back situation. I Okay, that's where I'll stop you. It is not a one step forward, two steps back. I disagree with that. Is it something to push under the rug? No, absolutely not. It's, it's definitely something that should have been discussed and evaluated because this is a story of Washington Heights. And from what I hear, it has a much higher afro-latino culture than what we see i'm i'm hesitant though because we, i in 
it's something to keep in mind, but I don't think it's something from de that detracts from the film. It did not affect my viewing experience. But it is something to say, I think this is very much a movie that brings Latino culture five, ten steps forward. In terms of actually getting unknown Latino individuals on screen and in the forefront. The fact that Afro-Latino culture was not there alongside them is wrong. But that's more... I. I when looking at it, I really don't think, I, I can't even say that. It, it's I think it's something to keep in mind and something to change. But I don't think it should undermine what this movie has done and accomplished. It's something to look at side by side, not something to trump the, uh, one or the other. I think that's a good way of putting it. And some of the takes that I've seen on social media are pretty angry and Honestly, for good reason, naturally, as you've had Hollywood whitewashing stories since its foundation. And there are people, movie fans or people in the business, who are just frustrated at the fact that this important group of people that is predominant in Washington Heights was largely pushed to the background as dancers or extras, but not featured in the main roles. And I've also seen some people who are from a similar community sharing kind of what you just shared, that we can celebrate what was done and accomplished within the heights while acknowledging what went wrong and part of the the beauty and the goodness that's coming out of hollywood continuing to diversify is more diverse stories are being told and more diverse creators and performers are telling them and that is good and so in the heights has its missteps but for me i know it didn't ruin the experience and again i know i'm saying this as a white guy. And so I'm really just trying to be cognizant of some of the criticism and the complaints that have been put forth about In the Heights. And I think that we can hold these things in tension. I don't think that it's a movie that the, the failures in representation ruined the movie. And like I said, I think it's a good time. I think it, it is also just important to, to have that in your mind and think about you know what's done well and what could have been done better. I think Lin-Manuel Miranda had a pretty good response to this himself. He, he published a short apology that he put on social media and i think he had some good good things to say and if, if you have any more to add go for it otherwise i would be i would be happy to to turn the, the car back onto the road <laughs> and get the discussion about the movie going but do you have anything else and just in this realm while, while it's on the table i i have one more thing that this is not um i'll give the whole this is not 1961 where 1961, there was brown face in West Side Story. And though, yeah, that's sad. I kind of get that we were at a point where it was even lucky that West Side Story got made and that Rita Moreno became the star that she did. We should not be treading into Latino culture and representation by putting forth the lighter-skinned Latino individuals first before putting in the darker-skinned Latino individuals. do you does, does that make sense, what I'm saying? Yes. We're not at a point where we need the lighter characters to pave the way for the darker characters. Um, and I think it is important that this got brought up. I 
don't think it should be taking away from your enjoyment of the movie because I do think there's much to celebrate and much love that went into this movie that does shed light on so many of these even unknown actors. But I, I wanted to um I wanted to put that out there, I guess, before we continued. Right. Like I would say, obviously I it's not really my place to to land <laughs> somewhere or to have a, a final judgment or state of judgment you know it's for for me i'm more just trying to listen to what people are saying and and considering it for the what i wouldn't have done otherwise you know i was all excited about in the heights i've been looking forward to it since it was getting close to releasing last year and so i had no idea that this was part of the criticism against the movie so it's been helpful to see people sharing their reactions and to start to understand it. So I would, I would encourage you if you're like me and you weren't even aware of this controversy until you just started seeing things pop up on social media, look into it a little bit because it's complicated and challenging because this is a really fun movie that we're going to start talking about a little bit more, but also it's worth knowing some of these, these negative aspects and, and see where Hollywood can continue to do better. All right, Scott, you kind of hinted at it, but let's just, Let's just get it out of the way. Did you like the movie? I sure did, Christian. <laughs> I did. All, all of that aside, not aside, all of that considered, uh, some of these negative aspects of the representation for In the Heights, I think otherwise, as a movie, it is really, really well done and so fun and a really successful adaptation as well in terms of what they changed and what they cut. Not perfect by any means, and it, it didn't immediately vault itself into my favorite thing of 2021, but definitely a movie that I really enjoyed. What about you, Christian? There was a point in the beginning. Okay, I don't think this is a perfect movie. And there was a point in the beginning in like the second song that I, I think started to nitpick what was going on and then thought to myself, if I'm nitpicking in the heights... That's such a sad existence. And then sat back and enjoyed the rest of it. <laughs> it's so fun. It's so joyful. I think this can enter into one of those specific categories of unabashed love. There's just an unabashed hopefulness here. Oh man, it's, it's, it's nice to get a beacon of light, which is what this movie is positivity most definitely and not just in terms of the the messages and how the characters find themselves how they end up but also just in how this movie is made it is so upbeat so creative and they use some really i guess for lack of a better word like cinematic techniques to sort of zhuzh up this story and, and inject some more energy into some of these already like very pulse <laughs> increasing dance numbers and so it yeah I'm, I'm with you i think it's really fun in terms of the performances i actually do want to get there first if you don't mind just because much has been made of anthony ramos as usnavi he's someone who is already fairly well known in culture naturally being in hamilton and then starting to get some other roles and things since then but this is his first real starring role especially in a hollywood movie and I think he does just a killer job. What did you think? He was so charismatic. Whenever he looked at the camera and smiled, you wanted to be his friend. Absolutely. It 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 was just it was and I'm gonna I'm might use this phrase a lot. It was a good time hanging out with Anthony Ramos. 
hanging out with Jesus Navi and having him tell this story of something that he cared about. And I wanted to care about it, not just because the story's great, but because he cared about it and convinced me to. <laughs> yeah, he gives such a, I, I, I would I would say a fleshed out performance of Usnavi because he has moments where he's just in control of the camera, totally owning it, having a good time, singing and rapping, dancing, and just giving an all-time Hollywood performance, but also connects on those deeper emotional moments with especially Abuela Claudia and how her story carries out in this movie, but also having the moments of awkwardness as he's trying to impress Vanessa, played by Melissa Barrera, who we can get to as well. But I just love his performance in comparison to Lin-Manuel's because, of course, he played Usnavi on Broadway. And what's funny about his characters when he plays them is that they're always, of course, nerdy. And the wordplay that they use comes from their big brain that's just trying to get all these all these words out. And Lin-Manuel is so earnest. And he's not necessarily suave, even though, of course... Both Usnavi and Alexander Hamilton had ways with women. But Anthony Ramos brings such a different flavor to the character of Usnavi, where Usnavi's a lot cooler, which makes his dopiness in front of women all the funnier. And he's a little bit... He's obviously younger than Miranda. I'm not sure if they're what their age is at the time, but he's just so youthful and snarky and sassy even. <laughs> and I, I just think that that flavor for the character worked really well. I think one of the lines said that he's pushing 30. Oh, yeah. There you go. Which he probably is in real life, but he, of course, looks super young. But Yes. Anthony Ramos was great and a, a perfect anchor in this movie. Now, uh, I'm, uh, I'm just going to be... I'm, I'm going to be honest. Two performances. Two and a half. Two. Let's go with two. <laughs> I think stole this movie for me. One's very one. obvious. And it's Gregory Diaz as Sonny? No. Although, oh. um, amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. All right. Well, I'm a fan, but who who's the first one that stole it from you? Oh, okay, come on. You know who the you should know who the obvious one is. Uh, Corey Hawkins as Benny? That wasn't the obvious one, but that was the other one. Yes, Corey Hawkins as Benny. Incredible. So good. He's so good. <laughs> His singing voice absolutely fantastic his suaveness outside of that like his uh strength and command of the music he has some of the most cinematic and what i mean cinematic it's like fantastical dance numbers dancing on the side of the building or any other dance that he has with nina and owns it there's there's such a a a confidence to him that makes you want to follow him and care not just about him but about his relationship with nina confidence really is the word and i listened to a podcast where they said they preferred the usnavi and vanessa storyline to the benny and nina storyline and i gotta say i gotta say i i i do understand but both Corey Hawkins as Benny and Leslie Grace as Nina are so good together that I wish we had a little more time with their storyline. Their their and their their numbers are so just awesome. <laughs> like the one where you're talking about where they are literally dancing on the side of a building is one of these 
adaptation elements that work so well and just making the neighborhood of Washington Heights almost fantastical or fanciful and having these two care out like live out their love story by dancing on the side of a building or by dancing with people through a, a park and a playground. It's just so exciting to watch and, and one of the strengths of this adaptation. And so I, I'm glad that you also liked Corey Hawkins. He's someone who, whenever he shows up, he just makes a movie better. He was in Straight Outta Compton. He was in Kong Skull Island. And I'm a fan every time I see him. I hope yes, he gets tell more me opportunities. About how he elevated Kong Skull Island for you. Because he's Corey Hawkins, and whenever he appears, he's great. But in Kong Skull Island specifically, he undercuts his normally suave exterior with a nerdier scientist character and still is completely convincing and enjoyable to watch. So, shout out to Corey Hawkins. I'm going to join the fan club in soon. Kong, in Kong Skull Island. Shout out to Corey Hawkins and Kong. Now, I mean, come on. How how could you not know that I was talking about Abuela Claudia? I I was about to say it. I picked Corey Hawkins, but I, I was about to say Olga Meredith. Oh, the... They, oh, um, I'm not gonna lie to you. A lot of Hispanic media has the grandma, and as someone with a Hispanic grandma, it's <laughs> not it it it's not too far off to say that they are a very big part of a culture, and their matriarch status in different communities is always felt. So you know. I loved her, her, what's the word, tenderness and and vulnerability and her, I don't, I don't know if I'd go in to say that her like show-stopping number, and that's what she got, she got a show-stopper number, was my favorite one, but it's probably top three. She is so easy to love and it's her voice it's her physicality it's her interactions with everyone she has chemistry with everyone on there which is impressive because this cast is like 800 people i i don't know what else to say and she's only in half the movie (laughs) so her big number is called paciencia y fe for those who are trying to recall or who haven't seen it yet and i would agree it's one of the best moments in the movie because like i said earlier in the heights often uses Usnavi as the central character and follows his journey the most, but it is about just this community of people and their relationships and connection to one another. And we finally get to see something from Claudia's perspective during this song. And she sings about coming to America with her mother decades ago and how it was hard to find work and to learn English and the struggles that they endured. And getting to delve into just the the mindset and experience of this character who thus far had just been the sweet and gentle everybody's abuela kind of character is one of the parts of in the heights that that gives it lasting appeal in that it's not just about the surface pleasures of the song and dance numbers all of these characters feel real and lived in and we get to see their experiences and Olga Meredith is so compelling, especially returning to a role that she played 13 years ago for the first time, playing it on Broadway. So she's definitely a highlight of the movie for me as well. Uh, let's look at musical numbers. Give me your top musical numbers. Give me your top three. 
Oh gosh, that that's hard, and especially because I've I don't only care. seen it once. <laughs> I've only seen it once, so I only have a couple sitting in my mind. Of course, Give I gotta me the say, one sitting in your mind. I gotta say, number three is probably Paciencia y Fe. Number two, probably uh, Carnaval del Barrio. Number one, it's ninety six thousand. It's it's gotta be ninety six thousand. Okay, I. I you know we might share the same top three, really. The oh wait wait I uh, uh you know nope I'm gonna kick out Carnaval del Barrio and I'm gonna replace it with the club. I that would be my honorable mention. So <laughs> no complaints here. The club oh let, okay. John M Chu I I've seen two of his previous films, or his previous directed films. I have to say, I think he has finally gotten a story that's as big as his directing style is. <laughs> he is an over-the-top director. He uses animation. He uses fantasy elements. He uses qu- quick camera movements at times and quick editing. He loves that kind of a thing. And sometimes I think it overpowers the film. But here, it is matching the energy that the story is going for. Yeah. I would agree. I, I think eight times out of a ten out of ten, I would agree. I think sometimes his style and how fast it can get distracts from the the numbers, which are all so good, and you just want to see more of them. But he is often cross cutting between characters or cutting quickly so that we see one dance move from a number of angles, which that's just normal movie making that happens. But I wanted to see more and and i was i was missing some of the long takes that often work so well in musicals because we get to see the choreography but often it is just a perfect match of directorial sensibility and material because these big fast vibrant numbers he brings to life and adds on all of the excess that he can (laughs) in a in a story where the characters themselves aren't necessarily living in excess and so i'm with you i'm with you there now there's only one other aspect of In the Heights that I wanted to talk about. And that is the changes that were made to the script to to move it into like the year 2021. There is an addition of um one of the characters is undocumented. They talk about they talk a lot about the dreamers and the DACA individuals and what it means to not have a green card and make it like uh and kind of have that fear looming over you and what those disparities are and these are all things that were not at least concretely present in the original film version or I think stage t- production i mean i mean stage production yes thank you now i think that there can be a fear that a film becomes too political quote unquote that's definitely something many people are scared of and that's something that at times is an aversion for me not always i think many times they're timely but uh can be an aversion here what did you think did you think it worked did you think it fit the story or do you feel as though it was shoehorned in i I do think it fit the story and there are times when things maybe felt shoehorned in but as the scene played out then you then you understand and you understand more of why it's there than it's it doesn't feel shoehorned in after the conversation is fleshed out or the scene plays out it just feels like it's been freshened up for the times and 
obviously when you are writing material in the modern day, it can age quickly. Like we mentioned, there is a line in 96,000 about golfing with Donald Trump that was changed to golfing with Tiger Woods. <laughs> and there are other pop culture references that were updated or you have small details. Like now people have iPhones when if they had phones in the stage production, they would have been flip phones or NVs and razors, those kinds of phones. <clears throat> so I did not know that we would be a podcast to mention razors. <laughs> and a here lot we of are. time. Here we are. So in terms of adding these bigger picture elements, the, the political elements, I think in some ways they could have even added more and it wouldn't have dominated the movie. I think I read uh, Miranda saying this, but in terms of adding in some of the, the DACA elements, talking about dreamers, it was just trying to not just update the material, but also continuing to have conversations that are important to his community. And these are some of the political issues that are important to the Latino community in the USA. And so bringing those more to the fore, as opposed to leaving them in the background of the stage production, I think works really well. And Nina, who we haven't talked about much, her character, Nina, but she shares her experience at Stanford, which in the stage production, it's revealed that she dropped out of Stanford because she was just feeling isolated among among some other factors, but was feeling isolated. And in the movie, they actually tie it to experiences of racism that she had to endure on campus in addition to the struggles that she was facing. And so it's things like that that help the material feel real and fresh. Did you think anything was too shoehorned in? I, I won't lie. At times, it felt like they were hitting it, the nail a little too over the head. But it, the, the material itself, the story itself is overtly sentimental. And to have overtly sentimental political aspects brought in made sense to the story. These are people who will not stand by. They're going to go to a protest and we're going to see a filmed version of a protest. And I got that. It didn't feel out of place. And it was one of those things where I thought I could be a loser and nitpick this <laughs> or just kind of sit back and enjoy what these people are telling me. I think for me, this is a long movie, obviously. It's almost two and a half hours. And and still some of the storylines felt slightly underbaked at times and to me it wasn't so much about thinking they were actually it wasn't so much about thinking they were underbaked it was just wanting more i wish that i got more of usnavi and vanessa's relationship i wish that i got more of nina and benny's relationship i wish that we got to see more of sunny and what was going on in his life because all of these people have through lines that are going through the movie that obviously intersect throughout and ultimately they all have their different endings. And I think Sonny especially ends in a really a really cool place for his character's story. I just wish that we had more time with his character. And yet I have no idea where it would have been added as this movie was already almost two and a half hours. And if it ballooned to the two hours and 40 minute mark trying to flesh more of these storylines out, I don't think it would have been as successful because it would have just been too dang long. So I think I, I just wish that they could have figured that out behind the scenes, obviously. But it's not so huge a critique um again not a perfect movie but a, a highly enjoyable movie musical i do say all right scott and with that we're gonna move on to our awards 
That's right, Christian. As our devoted listeners know, at the end of every blend of the month, we like to just reflect on the movies that we watched and throw out some favorites from these movies. And typically, we'll look at performances or things that are specific to the blend. So for Magic May, we did Best Magical Moment, and I got to throw out my bonus question of, which magician's performance would you have wanted to actually attend? So getting to throw in some moments like that while just reflecting on the marathon in general. So Christian, obviously you got to curate this month. And so I leave it to you to share the categories with me. Let's start off with the the classic best performance. This was a tough one because there were some signature performances in all three of these movies and I might be going out of left field here. I I want to throw an honorable mention to Anthony Ramos because I think he is so captivating in In the Heights. Much has been made already of his star-making turn as Usnavi, and I hope he gets all kinds of opportunities because he is an absolute delight. But my favorite performance was actually Edward James Olmos as El Pachuco in Zoot Suit. I thought his character was fascinating. This Tyler Durden esque you know 18 years before Tyler Durden character in this story visualizing and portraying um, Henry Reyna's cultural identity almost where you have this character who is struggling with his connection to the country he's living in and the culture his home culture that he is connected to wanting to go to the military but having a family that doesn't want him to do so and friends who don't want him to do so and becoming the victim of a racist justice system and having to balance his just his different identities that he has and El Pachuco is a fascinating portrayal of that struggle and almost gives a completely committed performance that never tips into parody or or mockery or anything and so he was actually my favorite as I reflected on on all these movies. What about you? He was my honorable mention. I'll I'll go with Rita Moreno from West Side Story. I what a shock! Her... <laughs> Rita Moreno and West Side Story, Christian. I don't need this from you, man. I will end this podcast right now. And, and it, it's simple. She can sing and she can dance and she can act and she is giving a. She, she's giving all three. She's giving them well, and she is. You, I don't have anything against. Richard uh, Bamer and Natalie Wood. But I think that their story is there for Rita Moreno to shine. So, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to complain there because she's got the biggest legacy from that movie of any of the actors because she's the one person who went on to become a, a true icon. So, no complaints here for Rita Moreno. She is an American treasure, and she is very, very good in West Side Story. That Oscar is well-deserved. Let's let's go with best musical number. And I'm not going to lie this this is difficult for me. <laughs> I know. Partially it's it's a little bit easier because obviously Zoot Suits musical numbers are few and far between and they're not the main focus of that story. But both West Side Story and In the Heights have some iconic numbers. In the Heights being a little bit newer, but still some that have some staying power from the original stage production. And uh, I was, this was hard <laughs> because I didn't want to succumb to recency bias with some of my in the Heights love, but I think 
just in terms of the musical number that thrilled me the most, I got to go with 96,000. I had high hopes from the trailer because it was featured throughout and it really paid off for me. Just a smile on my face the whole time. The music of that song is so good and features some different themes and motifs for the different characters who take over. It features both really fun Lin-Manuel Miranda pop culture laden raps while also having those beautiful, more traditionally sung moments and allows all of the major characters for the most part to chime in. But John Chu's filmmaking for that scene is also spectacular in just the most straightforward sense, (laughs) having hundreds of extras at the high bridge pool in Washington Heights, dancing in and out of the water with some, really brilliant choreography that a lot of which is a throwback to old Hollywood musicals having overhead shots of synchronized choreography mixed in with this very 2020 fresh story and so I had to go with 96,000 just one that I can see myself throwing on YouTube every now and again just watching that part and moving on with my day I I my honorable mention is America, and even that feels like I'm committing a sin. <laughs> that was my honorable mention, too, and I felt the exact same way, so I'm glad that you said it. That, that okay, America is is is, is a masterpiece. I, I've rewatched it so many times on YouTube. Now, but I, I'm, I, I, you know what? Screw re- recency bias. I will go with, I will go with the club. Because I love America because of the dancing. And the club is all about choreography in in it. And I love ninety six thousand, but I think one of the one of the things about the other musical numbers is that they're about almost disjointedness in the da- not not in the dancing at times, but it's it's not perfect dancing because it's more about the energy. The club, I I think is perfect energy and perfect dancing. And so good. it oh um, I yeah yeah all right. I, I wonder how much of that is the the actors actually dancing, because sometimes for these kinds of movies, they will cast dance doubles for some of the performers who obviously were chosen for their musical abilities in addition to their traditional acting talents. So I just wonder, because there are some salsa numbers, especially with Melissa Barrera as Vanessa, that are just or mo- like salsa moments in the club that are just incredible and so i I wonder if they used a double at all because if not honestly kudos to melissa barrera because she killed it in that scene i want to know what club they went to because that has not been my experience at clubs (laughs) i would imagine they went to club studio backlot (laughs) and and danced on warner brothers (laughs) property all right and last but not least best picture uh christian uh, listeners will know that typically when I curate a month, we get funky with it and we watch some well-liked movies as well as some disliked movies or wild cards. And traditionally when you curate a month, we just watch some straight bangers. And <laughs> I gotta say, although I, I like my approach a little bit more sometimes when you just get to watch straight bangers, you can't complain. And I knew this question was coming and it was really hard because I, enjoyed all of these movies a lot you have west side story which was an absolute hollywood classic you have zoot suit this under the radar but needs to be seen more treasure that so beautifully captures mexican-american culture at the in the 1940s and now you have in the heights this new movie that i hope does well because it's 
just such a great movie theater movie blockbuster having a good time at the movies kind of movie but i gotta go with west side story and it's a movie that i had not seen since or, or before we did this for the show and that was something that had gotten me hate before because i would say i love movies and people always throw out oh have you seen insert their favorite movie here and i sometimes have to say no and they're like scott how could you and west side story is a kind of movie where people had said how have you not seen west side story especially because i love musicals so getting to catch up with it it's just the movie that i appreciated the most having seen it for the first time and having no nostalgia for it i i liked it the most out of all three of these all of them are very well done, in my opinion. Two out of the three obviously have major problems with their, their representation and the casting. And so those things being considered, of course, I, I ultimately did go with West Side Story. I also go with West Side Story. It's There is such a thing as a perfect movie, and that movie is Birdman. Oh my now, gosh. Outside, outside of that. <laughs> Yikes. Outside of that, this is about as close as you can get. the The script is, it, and it's the script isn't even the story isn't even what makes the movie for me. It's how everything is conveyed through choreography that is so well shot. The music is great, but honestly, it's the choreography that 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 makes it all worth it. So, I love it. I love it. I loved it when I first saw it. I love it now. Part of the reason I think it's both of our best picture for the blend is that i was just complaining about how john chu can sometimes cut too quickly or too often in his musical numbers and the camera and the choreography are brilliant partners in west side story that's one of the major reasons i picked it i assume that's the case for you as well and christian naturally we have a lot of musicals coming out this year in 2021 and we will get an updated take on west side story by Steven Spielberg himself, one that I'm sure will be beset with all kinds of its own controversy as we get closer to its release date later this year. But I, I, I have gotten to the point, though. I think originally, at, at one point, I said, why are you remaking West Side Story? But I'm, I'm excited. I have chosen to be excited for it and for what what can happen, because it's a, it, it's... They can't F up the choreography or like if they do, that's bad. Not that they're not able to. They're perfectly capable of effing it up. But I'm I'm wondering how Tony Kushner, a phenomenal screenwriter, takes his, you know, takes a stab at this. And I'm excited. I mean, yeah, I'm excited. Steven Spielberg, uh, he's pretty good at this whole movie making thing. So... I am just most curious to see if he can succeed because I can see West Side Story coming out and just exploding, being an absolute sensation, winning all the Oscars just like it did the first time. And I can see it coming out and people hating it and getting angry at Steven Spielberg. So we'll see. I'm, I am curious. I'll be there opening weekend, I'm sure, but I am very curious. But AI, I mean, AI was my favorite movie that we did on a blend last year. There you go. Well, Christian... We'll talk about West Side Story 2021 someday, I'm sure, but for now, this marks the end of our Hispanic Musicals Blend of the Month. Altogether, a very good month, so thank you for curating, my friend. And normally, this is the part of the show where we give you a hint about what we're doing next month and share some prompts for a streaming recommendations episode that we'll be doing next week, but 
there is no new episode of Cinema Drip coming next week. Oh, boo, boo. I know. For all of these, all those of you crying in a corner or crying on the bus or in the car or wherever you listen to this podcast, we are going to be taking a short summer break just to spend some time with people as life is opening back up and some of the COVID-related guidelines and restrictions are lifting. Christian naturally is on summer break from school that he teaches at, but we'll be working at a movie theater this summer, so he's got free movies to see. And we just wanted to take a quick break for a refresh to catch up on some movies that are coming out this year. We will be returning when, Christian? Next episode back will be on August 6th. You're darn right, August 6th. And we will be discussing what? We will be giving our top five movies of 2021 so far. We did that episode last year, our top five of 2020 so far, and I think we caught it at a good time. Normally, the first seven months, there aren't as many major movies coming out, but still some really good ones tucked away. Or now that we have blockbusters coming back, things like In the Heights that we've now gotten to see, or Quiet Place Part 2 also being another well-liked blockbuster coming out these days. So you kind of get a sense of how the year has begun. And then the last few months of the year are backloaded with all of the awesome movies that will be considered for Oscars and and other awards. So I am looking forward to that show. It was a good time last year, and it should be again this year. Is there any chance In the Heights will be on that list for you, Christian? Uh, there's there's a chance. I am I'm I'm, I'm going to need to do a lot of homework in terms of catching up on movies. Same here. And there's new movies coming out faster than there were last year, so we'll have all kinds of stuff to catch up with. So, again, those of you listening at home, we will be back August 6th with our top 5 of 2021 so far. Until then, thank you so much for listening to the show. Christian and I love watching these movies and chatting about them to share it with you, and so we are just grateful that you are listening along and taking part. There are a few things that you can do to support the show and help us reach new listeners. Number one, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Helps us to know that you're following along, and obviously increasing download numbers means we get to increase listener numbers, so please do follow along wherever you can. You also can drop us a line at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com where we are always checking for listener feedback to use on future episodes of the show. Sometimes we take your suggestions for a blend of the month and run with it. Or maybe you just offer up a movie to be talked about on a streaming recommendations episode. Or you just want to tell us that we suck and we should stop talking about movies. In which case, um, no, but you can still email that to us and you can do so at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow Christian and myself on social media. We're both on Letterboxd, where we are rating and reviewing the things that we're watching. And the show is on Twitter, at CinemaDrip. And I'm a more avid Twitterer than Christian, so you can try to track down his Instagram and stay in touch with him there. Christian, any final thoughts for those listening along at home? Go watch In the Heights in a theater. There you go. If you can, folks, go see it in a theater. Get vaccinated. Do your part. And hopefully you can enjoy some delicious movie theater popcorn and a nice big cherry Coke as you watch in the Heights of the Theater. But until August 6th. You like 6th, cherry Coke? That is my go-to movie theater drink. What are you having in the movie theater? Tea? Coke Zero? Coke Zero. Oh, you're coming at me for liking cherry Coke and you're drinking Coke Zero. 
The worst right, thing folks. in the world is Cherry Coke Zero. This is an argument that will have to take place as soon as we finish recording. But otherwise, folks, we'll see you on August 6th. And this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.